morning, everyone. Um, we are going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. Um, for those of you who have been around our community for a while or even for a season, you've probably heard us mention the name Conebeat Haiti. Conebeat Haiti is our main ministry partner, and we've made a commitment to them in addition to some of the financial support that we, we give them monthly to um, give them a week in September to share some of what's going on in the midst of their ministry, how the Lord is working in Haiti. And so um, Ryan was one of our community voices back in um, over the summer. And since Ryan had just preached, I was thinking and looking at the passages for this week, and I was really drawn to the James passage, especially the end of the passage where it talks about this reality of how sometimes we can make, the pl make plans, but we always have to submit those plans before the Lord. And in thinking about the ministry that, um, that's happening in Haiti and, and getting to share a little bit with Ryan and Stephanie, um, I thought that actually might be an interesting conversation to have. So instead of a normal sermon, so to speak, it's going to kind of be a little bit of a combination of an interview slash devotional thinking, really thinking about... Um, listening and hearing how does this reality that, you know, everything we do, we have to submit before the Lord, even if we have good plans. How does that work on the ground? In Haiti, what does that mean for our lives? Um, I think all of us have experienced in the past year and a half, our lives be disrupted, right? The plans that we thought that we had, that we were going to do, be changed. And it's difficult to know how to shift, right? How to say, God, I don't know what to do in the moment, right? I thought I knew what to do, but I don't now. But how do I take that next faithful step? And so in speaking with Ryan and Stephanie, some I just thought they had a lot to encourage us about, and you'd be interested in hearing some, some of the stories from, the, from, from Calm Beat Haiti. So I'm going to invite Ryan and Stephanie up, and I'm going to move a couple things around on the stage as we go ahead and do that. So, Ryan and, and Stephanie, I think some people know a little bit about your ministry, but um, as a way of kind of an introduction, I'd be interested to know, as you were starting your ministry so many years ago, what kind of expectations did you have for what, um, what you felt like the Lord was leading you to do in Haiti, and, and maybe some of the initial challenges you, you faced as you were kind of getting established? Be interested to hear you share a little bit about that. I guess I'll start. Um, I'm Ryan, in case you didn't figure that out. Um, yeah, so we were really fortunate in that um, the first time that I went to uh, Haiti, I hadn't been out of the country before. Um, and so I didn't have this missions trip experience. I didn't have um, a facilitator or an American trip guide or a packet on what to expect. Um, and so we just got there and started working with um, locals who are running missions already on the ground. And, you know, I just, we communicated with them and I just figured, you know, they're, they're alive and working. So surely I will come out alive uh, if I listen to them. Um, if they can handle it and I can listen to them, then maybe I can too. Um, and so working in Haiti, it's so hard because culture is... It's like a swimming pool that you don't know that you're in. You can't not be in a culture. Um, and we went to Haiti, and everything is polar opposite, totally different. So for you guys to understand kind of what we went through, 
Um, basically, let me kind of paint you a picture here. Take everything you know about culture and throw it out the window while you're driving on the highway. Um, just like let it shatter on the highway. Um, there are two highways in Haiti, the country of Haiti. Um, and both of them are one lane and they're not even paved the entire length of the country. And in our city of about 100,000 people, there's only one other tiny road that goes to the police station. Um, and it's like one of those brick roads, so it's, you know, kind of like New Orleans. Um, and <laughs> everything that we do is completely different than we could have ever expected. And unfortunately, we come in with expectations. So I didn't really have this expectation of missions, but I had this expectation of who Ryan is in that scenario. And, you know, even the movies that have nothing to do with missions, like John Wayne movies, unfortunately make an impact on us. This lone um, soldier going in and saving a place. Mm. Um, and our culture is just all about that, you know, that one person being the pinnacle, being the hero. And I think missionaries really get it wrong. Um, the culture of missions and missionaries puts the emphasis on the person going and not on what God is doing or on the locals who are already doing God's work in that place. So expectation-wise, I mean, we were totally, we had no idea what to expect, and we had no idea how many expectations we had that were cultural and not just about missions or working overseas. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so kind of follow-up question and thought. Um, I think plans, right? Plans aren't necessarily a bad thing, right? We have to be able to plan and have some sort of expectation of human, as humans, right, to get along in the world. But I think what I've been challenged in reading this passage this week was, are, is that our plans aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when we put our plans above the Lord, right, and we make our plans our God instead of trusting on the Lord, right, we, we can get things out of whack. Um, do you have an example you can think of um, that you, where you learned this lesson either in a good or a, a bad way in, in your work in Hades or anything that kind of comes to mind where you were challenged to have some plans and, and those plans maybe got blown up and you had to kind of shift and, and rely on God in a different way than you expected? Yeah, um, is everything an answer? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Literally, yes. Okay, so um, in our first trip, when we were thinking this was a mission trip, even though it was long-term, um, we wrote a business plan. Um, one of our donors required us to do that for him to give us support. And in hindsight, I really appreciate that because um, it made us think through our expectations. Um, none of the plans that we had ever happened, um, and that's okay because we kind of adjusted but every single plan that we ever created was built on the wrong foundation isn't really the right way to put it. It was built on the wrong premise or expectation. Our plan was to go in and do a project. You know, we're Americans. We love efficiency and effectiveness, and we love logistics. I'm going on a mission trip, so that means I get to build a spreadsheet. Why do we think about logistics? It's the weirdest thing. When it comes to missions, white guys are like, oh, logistics, that's great. Um, and that's just not the way the rest of the world works, and that's certainly not the way Haiti works. And so when we have been doing our projects, even when a project went well, it was a total failure because we put our emphasis, because we planned on the wrong thing. So we have made plans to do water projects, 
And our goal was the project. But what God really wanted us to do was to invite the people to be a part of the process. Mm. And everything that we have done, we basically did it the opposite way. And God is just good enough to let us um, kind of work through it. And so, yeah, we've planned on so many things, land purchases and and expanding our programs. Um, and it's been really hard to trust that, um, that God will make these things happen because everything in Haiti is uncertain. Everything is up in the air. Um, but instead, what he's done is... He's taken our loose plans and big desires, and he's done something different but better, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so building on that, this question is a little bit more for Stephanie because um, I was thinking about something you had shared when we met last week. Um, Haiti's been in the news, right, for a number of, of, of different things, and a number of really difficult situations are going on in that country, right? In addition to the global pandemic that we are all still trying to make sense of, right? We, there was an assassination of the president. They've had, you know, being an island in the Caribbean, the threat of hurricanes and storms and all of that. Um, I want you to share a little bit about what you've learned about how to trust God and to step out in faith, even in the midst of the unknown, right? Because I think what we're also realizing is you don't just say there's no planning, but it's more of this kind of asking God, what's this next thing you have? And I think you had a, uh, something to share from the camps this summer that, that um, Haiti, Haiti, you guys do in Haiti. Yeah, um, so the, the extra financial gift that this church actually gave was able to go all towards camp, it's about, um, yeah, it's, it's, did you mention that this time? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm You're sorry. right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, there was an extra gift. So um, that went towards camp, and we, camp is a very big deal where we are. Um, we serve about, like, over 300 kids every day for, like, five weeks. It's very intense. Um, it's, it's a really great thing, but it's also really hard for literally everybody involved. And... The weeks leading up to this year's camp, there was the assassination, there was the earthquake. One of our staff went into labor during the earthquake. They're calling, I mean, we're like in the United States, what, you know, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing except for just trying to comfort them and be with them? But um, there was a land dispute kind of in our area, and two of our, our main leader for our family ministries program she called me and she was like, hey, I'm just feeling a little unsafe. <laughs> Can you please put me in a hotel? Which is very unlike her. And so we were like, yeah, absolutely. We did that. And then the next day she called me and she was like, yeah, I'm on my way to go just look at the house, make sure everything's okay. So when we're in Haiti, we're in that house as our home. And then also that's where the camp meets, all that stuff. And um, she says that she turned around. There was nothing you know, nothing wrong with the house. She turns around, there's like 20 kids. We have a big gate and the gate's open and there's just kids waiting there. And they were like, hey, um, you're here, so let's start camp, right? And I think when we think, when I think of faith, sometimes it's this like glory story. Somebody like heard the audible voice of the Lord and then they did this thing. And like for us, that's just not, I mean, that's just not really been our story. Faith is just saying like, that's, this seems like the next right thing to do. This feels like the next way to help. Um, 
And I, I think that that's what Chloe taught me in that moment. And I mean, I was, I was really challenged in that time because I was thinking, oh gosh, good, we don't, have to, we don't have to raise money for camp this year or we don't have to do this. But it ended up being like the biggest camp we've ever had. Tons of kids were fed every day. And that's just, such, all she did was take a step you know, forward in faith. And hopefully we took that step with her. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. I think something that I've always appreciated in hearing um, you talk about your friends in Haiti and the ministry that God is, is doing in Haiti is that it's something that happens in a community, right? It's not just the two of you on your own saying, this is what we have to do, right? But it's more of saying, hey, it, it's like you do have plans, right? But it's, a, it's, an, it's the posture is different. It's an offering of like, hey, here's something we think we might want to do. What do you think? Is, is God stirring your heart in that same way, right? And, and you use a, a really interesting word, Stephanie. You, you talk about not even necessarily empowerment, but you talk about co-powerment. You want to say a little bit more about co-powerment and, and how co-powerment fits into this idea of taking those small steps of faith? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have used the word empowerment for a really long time. And then, I don't know, there was like an image um, under the word empowerment for something. And it was still like one hand is up and the other hand is down. So it still gives this idea that like, we're still better than you. And we're going to help you up. And I think that, at least in our experience, that just has not been the case at all. Like that story that I just told you about Chloe, that is like somebody who has such a big faith that challenges me every single day. We need different voices in our community of faith. She empowers me, I empower her. She empowers me in ways that like, I just have never even experienced God because we've lived totally different lives, you know? She empowers me and then I hopefully empower her to do, you know, things like budgeting and <laughs> talking to her about just like the nuts and bolts of her, of her mission and her like walk and so we have since transformed using, we're trying to stop using the word empowerment, and now instead it's co-powerment. It's really reaching across the table and saying like, okay, you have so many amazing things to offer. Uh, I hopefully have some things to offer. Let's like, you know, put them all on the table and see what we can do with that. And that is just like a big cornerstone of our ministry, hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, this maybe a, this might sound like a strange question, but I think it, it fits in the midst of some of what we, you know, I think there, that we can see in the passage and thinking about how do we, we take some of what the Lord is doing in, in the church in Haiti um, and are there things we can learn? Uh, and so the, a question I was, I had thinking, I've been thinking about a little bit is what has failure um, taught you about trusting God, right? When the plans don't quite work out, what have you learned about trusting the Lord and obedience in the midst of failure or challenges? Um, Ryan, either Ryan or Stephanie, either of you can go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, <laughs> we both um, really have failed a lot. Um, Sometimes we say we're doing our apology tour when we've offended a lot of people at one time. So we're walking around, you know, our house in Haiti or the community and we say we're going on our apology tour. But um, I think probably the biggest example of failure um, 
in my personal life and our ministry is we had an idea, a loose plan about how many years we would be on the field full time. Um, it was really important to me. We were not necessarily on the same page. Ryan was kind of ready to get back and have like more organization within the nonprofit that we started. I was like not there. And then when I kind of got sick and we needed to come back, um, that felt like a really big failure. And a lot of it was perception. Like, I really love a challenge. I really love to do hard things. And that felt like one of the hardest things I could do living in Haiti. And then I came back and I just felt like a <laughs> failure. I just felt so bad. And what really happened and what's so cool is that, um, you know, we left and we had about 10 people on staff. And now, you know, in our time coming and going, instead of just living there full time, we have like over 50 people that are community developers, that are Haitian, that love God, and they're just like moving forward in their lives, and we're able to help organize that stuff on this side. So it's kind of it's kind of cool, even though it's a failure. It, it, God took it and took that main plan and still made it really beautiful. I don't know if you have more things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we were um, full-time on the ground for about seven years. December will be our 12th year in Haiti. Um, and as Steph mentioned, we crash-landed here. We had probably about, we had a team of like six to seven other Americans, Canadians, and a Brazilian guy with us working in Haiti. Um, and then we um, felt like God was kind of shifting us, and I guess we were late on the shift ourselves. And so uh, we released them all, um, and then we got um, ejected from the airplane seat and crash-landed in Alabama, and um, our ministry just blew up to, yeah, like Seth said, we now have 50 in, in, staff. In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Um, and we now have 50 staff, and it was both our original goal and plan and not at all the plan that we had, um, and it is better than we could even imagine. But to speak on being a failure, feeling like a failure, um, what we do is very nuanced. And in some ways, we consider ourselves missionaries. In some ways, we consider ourselves um, community development practitioners or those who co-power with community development practitioners, which is a local person doing the work. So we can't even do that. Um, and when we are here, we hear all the time, oh, when are you going back to Haiti? And I know this isn't what people say, but what I hear is, you're a failure as a missionary um, because you're in America. Um, and we've been hearing that for uh, four years since we've been back here. And the reality is we are doing the role that we are supposed to be in. I cannot do what our least effective person in Haiti is able to do. Um, just by nature of, of what we do in Haiti, these kids that are in, this, in our weekly kids ministry in our summer camp, they look at this Haitian leader from my city is leading this awesome ministry and there's no white people here, there's no Americans here. If he can do it, then I can do it. But if I'm there, he can't say that anymore. And it's just so cool to realize, sure, these humbling feelings of feeling like a failure um, they're painful, and that's just pride. That's all it is. Um, but what God's really doing is making the impacts that we ultimately want to happen, just not in the way we would want it to happen. Yeah, and, and I think the interesting thing, Ryan, that I heard from 
talking with you and Stephanie a little bit more in depth and hearing some more stories is, right, um, none of us had a pandemic in mind, right? Shame on you for not planning a pandemic into your ministry plan, so to speak. But um, what's been, um, tell me, share briefly about um, your experience, what you've been hearing from your friends on the ground about um, how your model, maybe if it wasn't what you planned, has actually allowed that ministry to flourish versus some of the other models that are out there. Yeah, um, well, this is a great question. Um, we have, uh, from our first missions experience, from our first time overseas, um, and not having a mission trip background, we learned to rely on locals, and that was such a blessing, and that was such a good thing for our strategical um, plan and how we've actually set up the hierarchy of our organization. Um, and so we have created our plans and our structure that so that it relies on local operations. We have a director of operations. We have people that run our ministries. Um, everything is run by Haitians. So whenever we've had us come in and a team, we have been support for them. Um, and fortunately, because I guess God had already done it that way, um, we didn't really have to change anything when COVID hit. Um, and that's not the case for most organizations in Haiti. Probably, six, from what we've heard from our staff on the ground, probably 60 to 75% of missions, orphanages, nonprofits, um, and NGOs working in Haiti have shut down because of the pandemic. So they've stopped being able to pay their staff to work. They've stopped being able, being able to run their organizations or feed people they were feeding because their, their structure relied on teams and Americans coming in or Americans running things on the ground. Um, and what's hard about that is at the, it took me seven years to learn this lesson. Trusting Haitians is as to trust God. As an American coming in from the, what we would say socially the most powerful country in the world, going into one of the least socially powerful countries in the world, and to trust that Haitian is, you know, equal to trusting God. And so we learned to trust God early on really by learning to trust Haitians. Um, I mean, I remember one time when I learned this lesson in a bad way, <laughs> I was trusting Google Maps when I was trying to go up into the mountains in Port-au-Prince with one of my friends. And he was driving, and I didn't know he knew where he was going, and so I was looking at the map because I didn't ask him, which is an easy <laughs> thing to do. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, just go this way. The map says this way. He's like, you want me to go this way? I'm like, yeah, that's what the map says. Go this way. He's like, okay. So he drives up there. It gets steeper. It gets steeper. It's a gravel road. We're in this long um, two-wheel drive truck. And after about 10 minutes, I'm like, this isn't looking right, but the map is still saying to go this way. I mean, we find ourselves on almost a 45-degree angle, and the buildings, like, I swear, go into a wedge like you're literally driving into the corner of the roof. I mean, I don't know how we got out of that, but he was just like, we got to the end of this thing where basically only a donkey could get up there. He's like, do you want me to keep going? Do you want me to total this car? Are you <laughs> going to trust me now? And I learned, okay, wow, I have massive trust issues, and I got to work through that. Um, and he was graceful enough um, and such a picture of God to me to just be like, I know you don't know and you're doing your best, um, so I want to have grace on you, and that's just totally what God does to us. All right, 
Well, thanks for Ryan and Stephanie for, for sharing with that. Um, I just thought that this might be a, a different way of giving you a window into what life and, and mission in Haiti is, is really like. And, um, and I know for me, as I was hearing them share, I thought about the places in my own life, right, where I need to be obedient in those small things and not just be continually frustrated that things aren't panning out the way that I want them to do. But you know, do I have people in my life where I can hear the voice of God at work in them and trust them in the same way that, that you guys are trying, even if not perfectly, to trust what the Lord is doing and, and how the, the work of God is, is flourishing in that context? Um, I want to close by just offering a prayer for you and for your staff and your community um, as we, we close. So. Let's pray. God, we lift up Ryan and, and Stephanie and all those who they count as friends and ministry partners in Convite Haiti. Lord, I thank you for their vulnerability and their testimony, Lord, all the lessons that they've learned. And Lord, I pray that, um, that we would be encouraged by that, Lord, that you would be seeding those, giving us those little nudges in our hearts and minds where we might need to trust you in different ways even when things don't feel clear. Lord, I pray especially for their staff and friends on the ground. Lord, we pray for protection. We pray for provision. Lord, when we pray that the lights that are shining in their hearts, the love that they have for their communities, and the love that they ultimately have for you, Lord, that it would shine in the midst of all the challenges that they are facing in Haiti. Lord, I thank you for how that light has not only shined in their communities, but Lord has, has shown through these stories and has shown here in our community that we are challenged and encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ who just happen to live in Haiti. God, I pray that you would bless this ministry and continue to expand it and build it as you will, not as we will, Lord, but as you will. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.